0: Hey, I'm your co-host Jason Brooks. I want to take a quick second to let you know that this podcast episode, like all the podcast episodes we published here, is brought to you thanks to the kind support of the Run Beyond Athlete community. If you enjoyed this conversation and you want to hear more like this, you can hear more about our athlete community at www.therunbeyondexperience.com. Hey everyone, we're here on the Run Beyond podcast with me, Jason Brooks, and my co-host Jason Schlarb. Today we have a great guest with us, another legendary ultra runner that you maybe have never heard of. I think one of the more underrated trail ultra runners in the U.S., Nick Petitella. Nick, you've had you're on a tear this summer, but you know over your career. You've had great showings at San Juan Solstice, Hard Rock, Jemez Mountain Run, Never Summer, just to name a few. You hold FKTs currently on Milner Pass to Berthoud Pass on the Continental Divide Trail, just over two days. You've got the Collegiate Loop FKT that you set last year for the second time, going about 46, almost 47 hours on that. And you hold with, I believe, Ryan Smith, the FKT on the coca Pelle trail. I bet I got that wrong. Ryan was probably on the Milner Pass run. Yeah, right? R-
1: Ryan was on the Milner Pass run, and actually Scott Hyme and I did the coca
0: Pelle trail. Together. Okay. All right. So this year, you, I think, won your age group at San Juan Solstice with a fifth place overall finish, and you were the sixth male, seventh overall at Hard Rock. And uh, that's will all be fun to talk about, but what I really want to talk about today is your are your plans to go after the Colorado Trail FKT this summer. So you've been busy. You've been getting after it. How's your summer going?
1: Yeah,, uh, good so far. you know the, the real goal for the summer is definitely uh, the Colorado Trail coming up in uh, at the end of August, when hopefully the weather's pretty stable and good. For a week or so out on the trail. Um, but yeah, I had, had good training all winter and then good races at, uh, San Juan and hard rock. So now it's time to kind of mostly rest for the next month and not do too much
0: training and get all the logistics ready to do the Colorado trail. So we'll get more into the Colorado trail, but I'm curious, have you always been a runner? How did you get into the sport?
1: No, I never ran until uh, maybe around, I would say, 2006, 2007. I grew up uh, mostly mountain biking and doing mountain bike races uh, back in Pennsylvania when I was in high school and college. And then uh, when I moved out to Boulder, got more into running. Uh, And so I don't have a a true kind of running background, but you have background in uh, kind of endurance sport uh, from when I was growing up.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So w- why did you make the switch from mountain biking to running? I mean, I would assume Boulder is a great place to be a mountain biker. In some sense, yes, but you know, the trail
1: access right in town in Boulder is not great. Uh, and, and really just time uh, when I moved here, I, I moved to Boulder to go to graduate school at uh, university of colorado and you know being busy with school you it takes quite a lot of time investment to bike uh, yeah. whereas running you can just kind of put the shoes on and go right out the front door so that certainly made it a bit more appealing um, and, and yeah, you know, some other reason as well just you know injuries things like that biking so it's a bit you know running it's a little simpler. Uh, and, and the trails in Boulder are are great for running. Uh, so just kind of transitioned a bit and I still get out on a bike on occasion, but not too
0: much. Was your biking career as successful as your running career has been?
1: Uh, it's hard to say. I, I I was, you know, a decent biker, uh, had some good times, uh, at some longer races. Um, so, so it was, you know, half decent.
0: Yeah. You're in. You're into running hundred miles and much more with some of the FKTs. The Collegiate Loop being 160 miles, and some of these others probably longer. Were, were you also biking long distances?
1: Yes, I I pretty much started off. You know, I think I was 16 or 17, and I did a hundred mile mountain bike race just kind of it was the local race so you get kind of you know talked into it by uh, your biking <laughs> friends and even at, at a young age you know I had to get I think a, a approval from the race director to do it since I wasn't even 18 yet um but so yeah I, I kind of started off at a young age doing longer bike races um and, and I think that definitely helped transition to longer running because you kind of the a bit of the fundamentals of how to be a little bit miserable for you know many hours and, yeah. and and things like nutrition things like that you kind of figure those out biking which is a little bit easier and then switching to running you know you kind of know the basics and just have to
0: apply it a little different yeah and um, I think, you know, one of the things that's interesting about you is you work full time. <clears throat> uh, you're at the National Atmospheric Research Center. Did I get that right? Uh, National Center for Atmospheric Research. Oh, so close. NCAR. <laughs> yes. Uh, so are you, do you, are you, can we call you a climate scientist? Is that a fair label for you? Uh, maybe not quite a fair label. <laughs> close, close enough.
1: Uh, I do research on the, the upper atmosphere uh, kind of what's often referred to as space weather, um, and and do a lot of work in that area. Um, but I, I, do of course have many colleagues who are doing climate science, things like that.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so you've been doing that since you've been in Boulder then, is that your first job out of grad school? Yeah.
1: So, uh, I, Went to Boulder here, uh, got my PhD in in aerospace engineering, and then was a a postdoc researcher here at NCAR uh, for a couple years, and then have pretty much been here
0: ever since, uh, since Boulder's not a bad place to live. Yeah. And how, how much does, has your like passion for outdoor sports driven your work, your education interests? Is there kind of some overlap there for you? Maybe
1: some, but I do kind of, in a lot of ways, try to keep work and hobbies a bit separate. Yeah, You know, sort of not let them interfere too much. Right. Uh, But they inevitably do to some degree. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I guess another way to ask the question is, like, has your passion for the outdoors fueled, like, your work passion? I mean, did, did did you kind of, like, gain an interest in your field of work from spending a lot of time outside or or were you just inherently interested in an atmospheric science?
1: Yeah, I think probably a bit more just inherently interested. You know, there's something, it's nice just to do what I would call basic curiosity driven research, right? Where you just, you find an interesting problem and you just go after it and find the answer. uh, And, you know, I, I could probably do that in a lot of different areas that, you know, sure. I could find interesting uh, and just sort of stumbled into one. Um, and, you know, just like I said, doing something that really no one's ever done before because you're, you know, doing this sort of fundamental research and you can sit in your office and learn something that you're probably the only person in the world
0: that knows. Uh, <laughs>
1: you, you don't go out and Google the answer. so
0: Yeah, yeah. I imagine space weather is still an esoteric field of work and knowledge,
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a bit I think that's a fair statement. It's often said it's maybe I don't know thirty to fifty years behind sort of our terrestrial weather forecasting. So okay. if you can imagine what weather forecasting was, you know in nineteen seventy. That's kind of maybe maybe where we are. So, so it's nice, you know, you're sort of in a, a field that's not as well developed in many aspects. So, so you really have potential to sort of make uh, improvements and, and really learn a lot. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, Nick. You know, I I happened to be uh, in Boulder at CU for um, I was in the Air Force and uh, teaching ROTC, and I I think about the same time I went from Colorado Springs to Boulder, and and I remember, <clears throat> you know, knowing about you and meeting you, and back in the you know that period of time, and you really um you you're in a special place with you know the flat irons right there uh to to be able to trail and and uh run up you know green mountain and fern canyon and all those great places and be in that uh you know have in car there with uh you know being able to, to pursue that passion after going to you know see you um, the, i i remember meeting you I, I remember both of us running uh run rabbit run and uh i i remember the 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 terrible situation of uh Fred not course marking. Uh, very well. And you took a wrong turn. And we were all up front doing pretty well. And uh, it was totally not marked at all. And uh, you went the wrong way. And for quite a while or something like that, I remember it just being tragic. And it was like my first 100. And I just, you know, it just blew my mind that uh, you had that situation happen to you. Do, Do you remember that moment?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that was the first year of the 100. The uh, and I remember getting all the way down, basically into town till I realized that, that I missed the turn. But that was one of those, you know, you turn uh, uh, lemons into lemonade or something, because I don't know if you remember, Jason, but the, the next day, I ran the 50 miler. And actually, I got a spot in Western States. Um from the at the time it was a Montreal Ultra yeah, Cup right. race, so in the end it kind of worked out half yeah. decent for me, <laughs> but it, but it was definitely a bit of a bummer in the yeah. hundred. I
2: I I I don't know if I exactly made lemonade, but after you know forty or fifty miles, I was in second place behind Dave James, and uh, he ended up dropping, Uh but I went and made a wrong turn myself that wasn't very well marked and went seven miles off course, and uh, ended up coming back, getting a ride back to where I made the mistake, and uh, ended up, you know, not, not 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 finishing the race, so we both had a really kind of crazy experience there. I went on to go do the grindstone and run with Carl uh, Meltzer and stuff, but, you know, I, I've, I've, I've always um, followed you because, you know, we both were kind of in that, Same time starting in Boulder, running in the sport and, uh, you know, running all over the flat irons and doing that stuff. And I I really respect some of the super adventures that you've you've been able to accomplish that Jason already mentioned. Super, uh, super impressed. And then to see you firsthand uh, in this, you know, legendarily fast hard rock come in and, uh, you know, crush this race. Uh, as a warm up for your Colorado Trail was pr- was pretty awesome, man. I'm, I'm I'm excited for for your summer, Nick. Uh, you know, I've I've been you know one thing that I re- respect about you is that you have done these super long adventure FKT stuff that uh, I'm too scared to do. Uh, o- over a hundred miles. What was your first, um, uh, you know, FKT super long adventure project? What 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 started you? in that direction and, and, and what was that, uh, what was that, um, first run?
1: So I think the first one was the, um, when Scott Hyman and I did the coca Pelle trail and I forget exactly what year that was. It was maybe 2014 or 2015. Um, and I think that was the first one. And, and, you know, Scott is obviously very experienced on this. He, he had the record on the Colorado trail. And I think doing it with him really gave me. I learned a lot from from him in terms of how to do these sort of longer things, um, and then over time, you know, you kind of learn how to do a, an FKT type adventure, which I think is it's definitely different than a race because you have to have everything sort of organized and make sure you have everything that you might need whereas i think you know if it was just me uh i the first time i probably would have just put you know exactly what i wanted and then halfway through you realize that's not what you want and uh <laughs> you know you don't have what you uh, option b uh but you know scott knew what he was doing and and really sort of helped and and taught me how to do that sort of adventure
2: Tell me, Nick, like, you know, one thing that I'm scared of is, you know, like I've done, you know, a a good bit of 100 mile races now. And one thing that I'm scared of in doing FKTs is, you know, just like you're out there, you're by yourself. And, you know, that that really tough, difficult, miserable grind. Like, I'm almost kind of scared that I wouldn't just be able to carry on, like the the motivation or the the, the drive, but because there's not a race going on, uh, because there's not an aid station every five miles or whatever. What, what, how how would you describe the the feeling of the the difference? Like, it, does it take more personal perseverance, or is there is it? i i'm just i'm just super scared about you know that big transition and I, I think a lot of people just like oh my god you know by yourself or, or doing this project where you're where you run 160 miles or 200 some miles how 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 does that feel and what what motivates you to keep going man when there's there's not a whole race organization and uh volunteers and crew and pacers and all that stuff how how, how does how do you do that nick
1: yeah, it's definitely a different mindset, I would say. I think part of it is almost treating it as you would a race and just thinking, you know, this is the goal, which is to get from point A to point B uh, as fast as you can, a- as you would a race. And I think, you know, if you go into something with that mindset of, you know, I'm going to get this done and just push through the low points like I would in a race, uh, then you can you can do it. But it's definitely especially if you go and unsupported or, or something like that. It's really a, a bit more of a mental test in many ways of, you know, you don't have that encouragement from a crew or support uh, or aid station. And there's there's no one meeting you there at the end other than maybe, you know, one person with a, a toilet paper finish line or something like that to, yeah. to hold up for you. And so, yeah, I, I think just mentally you kind of be in that frame of I'm going to finish this because it's my sort of objective or goal.
2: Is it that much more rewarding when you do finish?
1: It can be. Yes. You know, I think so last summer, uh, when Ryan Smith and I did this, this route, we called it the the fat 50. And there's this convoluted long name, I think on the FKT site, but, uh, you know, it was just the two of us, no support for 40, uh, well, 50 plus hours. And, you know, when you get to the end and, you know, it was just two of you, you had everything on your pack. Uh, it's quite rewarding at the end to know that, you know, you kind of pushed through the, the rough spots and, and got it done. And, and sometimes, you know, you put in a lot of logistics and effort that really makes it rewarding because you, a bit more of a project whereas I think for a race you know you can kind of show up and you know you train maybe specifically for the race but you don't really have to do a ton in terms of learning the course where everything is you know you can kind of do that in an hour or two uh, whereas some of these things you know you have to spend probably days out learning the route or things like that and it does make it i think more rewarding in the end when you that that
2: pride of ownership and that accomplishment must uh must really feel really good nick and i'm i'm really impressed and i'm 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 a bit jealous and and motivated to to someday get out and do something special like that so i I appreciate you uh, being an inspiration man
0: nick do you find the mental preparation different between getting ready for say something like hard rock or something like Nolan's 14 or the collegiate loop. And I, I didn't mention you have finished Nolan's 14 twice <laughs> um, <Yeah. clears throat> in your, in your list of great accolades. Um, and, and I asked this as a loaded question because I've, I have been thinking a lot about this lately and I, I think the answer is there's a different approach, but I'm curious about your perspective because I haven't, I haven't done the hundred mile racing side of the equation.
1: I I think there's a little bit, you know, a mental, the mental side is pretty critical, I think, especially for something like Nolan's or when you're doing navigation, you know, you really have to be on top of your like mental game. I think if you're distracted by other things or, you know, you've got like busy work things going on or something, it's just not going to go well you're just you really have to be really focused um because i think you know for on a race you can often i'd I'd say let your mind wander a little bit at times just because you're you're maybe just following the trail you know i you know like this past weekend going up campbird road for eight miles or whatever it is you know you can kind of wander a little bit but if you do that on, uh, you know, Nolans, depending on where you are, you might get yourself in trouble pretty yeah. quick because <laughs> you're not going to be where you want to be anymore. Uh, so, so yeah, I think the mental part is definitely different uh, between the two. And, and I find after FKTs, I'm maybe more mentally exhausted than doing races. And this may may partly go back to what Jason said about, you know, how is the mental aspect different uh, that it really does require a bit more like mental, I want to get this done and like mental effort to get to the end compared to maybe a race.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, especially with something like Nolan's 14, where it's, it's navigation, the course is open, right? Like anybody can take any path they want. And there's a, it's a, there's a lot of like difficult to navigate high country terrain. And so the cognitive demand I would think is definitely higher than any, anything else. Um, and you know, so like last year or what was it? 2019, the wonderland trail, like I ran, I ran down the road in the park off the route for three miles before I could convince myself that I had gone the wrong way and I had run the whole trail in parts that year. And I just realized like, I felt great until that moment. But as soon as I had to solve a problem, or like really figure out how to navigate my cognitive function was shot. Like it was just, there was nothing there. And I'm really hoping, uh, you know, with no I can just follow the red line and and I'll be good. <laughs> Cause I don't know what it, the, you know, that cognitive function, I think are, it just goes down and down and down. And when you're out there for two days or longer, I imagine it only gets worse. Uh, and that's something I want to talk more about that. The, The other part of this, I think, is it is like the mindset, sort of like your mental preparation going into one of these. And for races, like I get I'll get nervous. You know, there's like competition. Do I prepare right? Do I have everything ready? Am I going to have a good day? Whereas with the FKTs, for, for me, there's a little bit more of like a fear element and this idea of confronting all of this uncertainty and i i have to get to a place where i really accept the challenge and i embrace like the ensuing uncertainty and discomfort and unknown that is coming which to me seems to be a a really different experience than racing and just thinking about like it's this is all on me you know even in a race like you should follow the race course and i like i'm guilty as a race director of of doing a shitty job of marking courses and stuff. But I tend to think like we, we have a lot of responsibility for figuring this stuff out in races. And then when we get to an FKT, like it's a lot more difficult because it's, it's all on you to figure out whatever it is and whether it's an FKT or not, right. Just some adventure that you're on. Um, and, and so I guess uh, like did you, when you first started doing this sort of thing, was there this like, Like, has your mind, I guess, mindset changed over time as you've gotten more comfortable with running adventures on your own, getting out doing these FKTs, spending a lot of time in the wilderness, um, or or is there still, like, a same kind of, like, preparation, a rite of passage almost to go after something like this?
1: It's changed a little bit just in terms of, like, comfort on that sort of terrain, but I certainly agree with you a a lot that you know the i would say mental part i think often you're doing these sort of adventure runs or fkts that are a bit more maybe like at the edge of your ability Mm -hmm. so there's a a lot more uncertainty of whether you're even going to get it done you know i even a, a hard hundred like hard rock i've done enough hundreds now that it's like you're pretty confident you can get to the end Uh, unless something goes wrong. You, you know, you could get injured, but you know, maybe it's not as fast as you want, but you kind of think, okay, I can get there no matter what. Um, Whereas, you know, something like Nolan's, even if I've done it twice, if I got ready for it and went out for it, I think I would still have that thought. Like, I'm not sure I can get to the end. (laughs) Right. It's, it's still, two plus days out there with 14 peaks, right? Even if you've done it, you're not sitting there at the start thinking, oh, yeah, this is sort of like in the bag, uh, you know, no problem. So I think that element of like you're doing something that's really challenging you a bit more. um, There's a lot more potential for failure uh, in these sort of long adventure type FKTs, I would say. Yeah. And failure, not just being coming up short on your time goal, but failure in terms of you just don't finish the route,
0: even. Yeah. So then on the on the cognitive side of it, you know what what was your experience like the first time you spent forty eight hours <laughs> just <laughs> moving through space out outdoors, uh, and and has it has that changed for you over time? Like, have you have you been able to learn and better manage your cognitive function for those extended periods of time throughout the years? Yeah. So, so I think
1: the first time I was out for that long was on the uh, collegiate loop. The first time I did it, and yeah, my my brain kind of turned to mush. And I remember at one point, the second night being convinced that I was going the wrong way on the trail. Like somehow I got turned around and I I was like, I'm going backwards. And I was like, you know, this just doesn't seem right. Like I'm I'm going the wrong way. And, you know, you pull out your phone and you're like, no, I guess I'm going the right way. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, your brain does sort of cognitively, your abilities really go downhill um, and just, I think that's part of the challenge as well, right? Being able to keep your sort of cognitive ability together, still navigate, things like that. Uh, But over time, I think it's gotten a little bit better, Um, partly just learning how to manage the sleep deprivation and sort of come up with strategies in terms of, you know, when to use caffeine, things like that to really kind of, Make things as kind of minimize the degradation mentally, uh, so that's helped. But, but I think it's still you know by the end you're mentally a bit shot. You know you're
0: yeah. So so uh, what are your key strategies then for managing cognitive degradation?
1: Last year, what I what I did uh, for the two sort of you know outings that were multiple days was the first day trying to really not do much caffeine at all um, and, and just, you know, not do much and then at maybe a little bit, you know, at night, the first night and then really towards the afternoon of the second day and, and into the night, then just take, you know, most of the caffeine then. So it really kind of had a, seemed like it had a, a much more effect. And then going into the second night, you know, if you can, it seemed like just taking a, a 10 minute sort of sit there quietly with your eyes closed to kind of just relax your brain for a, a little bit, just so it get, just to give yourself a mental break, not necessarily fall asleep, but your mind just kind of doesn't have to think for 10 minutes. Uh, and that really seemed to help. You know, I, I tried that last year and, and I kind of came out of that 10 minutes, mentally pretty refreshed
2: i i wonder you know i i play games or, or people play games with their mind you know to get through a hundred miler is is it like getting you know at your doctor or masters in 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 that kind of like you know, mantras or staying positive, like, or, or is, it, is it is it fairly relatively the same as as you know running hard rock or or a faster hundred miler? Like, I kind of just you know, as a, a non-experienced longer than hundred mile or you know longer than twenty seven hours for me, was there are there special tactics to keep yourself motivated and positive? And uh, you know, you just mentioned the the ten minute break, and I, I love that. I've never done that. Um, but I, I know that, you know, I'm busy with math and, and thinking about the next aid station. Is, the, is there some difference between, you know, something like Run Rabbit Run or an easy 100 – easy, uh, you know, 100-mile race and, you know, doing something that's, you know, longer than that?
1: Uh, first, I'd say there's <laughs> definitely no easy 100-mile yeah, race. I, <laughs> still, still definitely 100 miles. Uh, the, I think it, there is, you know – They're in many ways similar because I think you can still set those sort of micro goals for yourself. Uh, You know, with something like Nolan's, it might be, okay. I've just got to get to the top of this peak or, you know, off this peak. Um, And then, you know, you you kind of set yourself these mental sort of points along the way as – kind of mini objectives like you might do for a station. station so just
2: way. just bigger scale than maybe it would, would be the way you describe it because i i'm just i'm just you know like a lot of people listening you know that's scary it's yeah. big it's I, crazy it's longer it's like how is, is it the same how do i do that and and you know that's that's just a lot there but uh I appreciate your perspective. I I, I definitely like the, the idea of that 10 minute quieting because I do know like, you know, in a hundred, you know, people or even in a 50 mile or even a hard workout, sometimes you're just like, you're just so focused or so stressed or it's so hard or or you know, you're so like anxious, you know, and and like, you know, trying to keep your mind from saying, Oh, F this, I'm done. I'm just gonna chill. I I just wanna go home and sleep in my bed. You know, to to keep that fortitude is uh, is something that's incredible, and it takes somebody special. No matter no matter what anybody says, it, it takes somebody really special to do something for that kind of duration. It's uh, that's pretty crazy. My my other question too is a person that you know is looking at you, Nick, as as a a special creature is that you know one of my biggest fears of doing something like the colorado trail or nolan's or Pelle or something like that is that what is the recovery like and also you know in the in the era of you know 2010 to 2015 18 maybe we saw a lot of 100 uh, mile athletes uh you know burn out get, uh, adrenal fatigue, um, you know, not be able to come back. You know, I remember like foot and uh, wolf doing the, the, uh, what, what was it called where they ran from Montana all the way up into Canada and, you know, just, you know, not being able to get back to racing is something that has prevented me from, you know, pursuing something like that. What, what is, what does it feel like? Does it take just a super special body? Or is it, uh, j- just, just tell me your experience with that.
1: It's definitely, I would say, harder than a 100-mile race. I, I obviously can't speak to the recovery from the Colorado Trail, but I, I'm guessing all of September is going to be, you know, laying <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> uh, the, the only thing I can, you know, remotely compare to is, is when I did uh, uh, Tour de Jeanne, which was, uh, took me about four and a half days to do. With You know, similar, not much sleep. And there, you know, I remember probably two, three weeks just being kind of exhausted. Um, And I think you really have to listen to your body. And even though physically you might feel okay, recognize that you're just tired and, and, you know, kind of – you really need to sleep a lot, eat a lot, and not – sort of push back to activity. Uh, and I think, you know, as you mentioned, there's in that sort of time period, which was when I, uh, got into to the sport, there was a lot of burning out and I was maybe as, as guilty as anyone, you know, I had probably good racing years from 2010 to maybe 2013 or so. And then I had a few rough years, which I think may have been from, you know, doing too much, um, uh, but kind of, I, I've you know kind of got through that, I guess, and, and now sort of you know feel like I'm back racing as I'd want to. Uh, so that's definitely a concern, and and it is a longer process in recovery. Less so, like I said, physically, but more kind of just deep fatigue that it takes to to get over.
2: Knowing when to return and you know as very um inspired people like yourself uh that wants to be outside playing and adventuring you know do you you know to just being able to like you know hold yourself back enough to come back when you're ready to start doing long runs when it's appropriate, I know that a lot of elites have a hard time with that, and middle of the packers and and back of the packers. Do you do you just uh, is it you know after that you know kind of period of time that you said that you kind of maybe burned out a bit along with you know half the the elite community back in the mid two thousand tens is there any special tricks or do you have a coach do you just know you you're able you have the discipline to like relax or maybe it's also the fact that you were having an extremely busy Uh, kind of crazy job that keeps you from from misbehaving too much?
1: Yeah, I I don't have a coach mostly because I like to have the opportunity to, you know, (laughs) do things and sabotage my own training and and hold myself (laughs) responsible for it by making, you know, bad decisions on my own, Uh, which I certainly do at times. You know, there there are times uh, that I do runs uh, that I shouldn't do uh, after a race or something. Um, but yeah, I think it's just knowing that you, you want to be able to run for forever, right. Or, you know, as long as you can and still be doing stuff. Um, so having that as like a good way to, you know, think of, okay, if I just do this, you know, in another year or two, I might, be too exhausted or just not be able to run like I want. So, so keeping that in mind and yeah, definitely having other, other interests, you know, I probably, I should, maybe shouldn't say this publicly, but I get a lot of work done uh, in those sort of months after (laughs) I I do something like this, because, you know, you're, you can just really devote all your mental energy to, to work and things like that. And, um, you you can be very productive in another aspect of your life.
0: Jason and I were just riffing on this yesterday, actually. Um, the idea of like looking at the big picture and devoting a bunch of time while you can to a huge effort and then pivoting afterwards and focusing on everything that you've neglected in life, whether it's work, family, other commitments. Um, that's usually how it goes for me. I have the like the summer is all adventure and then the fall and the winter are like work, work, work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great Nick so Nick we you didn't talk any about sleep for for like cognitive tactics so you've got the Colorado Trail coming up right are you going to get you going west to east or are you going to do collegiate east or collegiate west I'm going to do collegiate west the okay. <laughs> I, The slower,
1: higher, more difficult route. I'm not sure. I I might be tempted to make an audible when I hit the intersection, but the the plan is definitely to do the west side.
0: Okay. Well, that's that's eight days. So you've got to get under eight days and 30 minutes. I I imagine. I guess I know. I have insider trading information here that sleep is definitely part of the equation for you. Maybe as much as five hours a day. Um, what are you, what are you thinking about for this? You know, you're, you're about to, uh, what quadruple your, your longest effort. So how are you thinking about managing that, that mental game, the cognitive function, um, and just keeping yourself like alert and going throughout the period? Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's going to be a lot
1: longer. So you're, somewhat just gambling on what might work uh, but I did try out a strategy uh, in uh, early June. took a, 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 week, a long weekend to kind of test out what I think might work uh, and try sort of uh, four hours per night of stop time and hope to be efficient enough to get maybe two and a half to three hours of sleep per night. Uh, early on, uh, with maybe like a 45 minute sort of stop uh, during the day. And and like I said, I tried that out for basically three runs uh, with four hours of of stop between them. And it seemed to work reasonably well, whether it works for uh, after four or five days, I'll find out. Uh, But I, I think just trying that out was pretty key in terms of having some, having a strategy that you've at least tried and not just guessing.
0: Are, are there any other new strategies that you're trying for this that haven't entered in like previous race training cycles or FKT training cycles? What, what else are you thinking about for something of this magnitude? Uh,
1: I that's the main thing is really how to handle the sleep. I think in the next few weeks i'll do a lot more walking uh because realistically you know the the pace you need to go and you can't really be running i think that much so really just figuring that out uh of what is like i think you know the first day or two the pace will feel probably too slow for sure like you'll want to go faster and so try to kind of get comfortable going what i would call colorado trail pace for me uh, i think will be important to not feel uh i mean you you guys know how it is in a hundred miler say early on you feel almost like you're going too slow because you're not used to going that pace so i think trying to get used to that of this is pace that i should be going uh will be uh, hopefully helpful
2: Nick, do you, you know, w- listening to this, you know, one thing that I think about that I, I'm really jealous or or like um, motivated or, or like, I, you know, what sp- sparks my interest in some of these things that uh, you're doing is being able to see such a swath of, of beautiful wilderness mountain, uh, you know, just wild lands. Uh, But then when I think about that, I I kind of curious, you know, in the second half of some of my races, rather it's a 50 mile or 100 mile, I start to, you know, in some situations, you know, I don't give a shit what it looks like. I just want to get done. Like, what is uh, what is your experience and what what do you predict on some of these longer things? How much are you, uh, you know, enjoying Versus, like you know, it, it is your motivation deeper in that, like you want to test your body and, and you know, do these huge swaths of of land and cover it efficiently and, and in the most fast way you possibly can. Versus being able to be like, oh, I really love this, you know, waterfall or this little creek or you know this this uh, you know grove of aspens. Like, I'm kind of curious, like what, you know, even in Tour de Jeans, like, you know, I think that's one of the most beautiful, the Aosta Valley is one of the most beautiful places in the world. But I kind of, you know, wonder when I watched you or or Luke Nelson or some of my friends do that, I'm like, how are you really, are you really enjoying it after, you know, 80 miles, 100 miles, you know, 150 miles? Uh, speak to that a little bit. I'm I'm really curious. <laughs>
1: No, that's, that's a great question, and and actually, I, I remember uh, Megan Hicks did Tour de Jean the same year I did, and, and her sort of, my, I remember her saying she, one of her complaints maybe of the race was that, you know, you, you don't enjoy it after day like three or four, uh, to the extent that you think you should, right? You know you're in this beautiful place, but you're just kind of a shell of a human to the point that... You maybe enjoy parts of it, but not to the full extent that you really should be. Uh, so I think that's a fair question. You know, you you are potentially missing out on on parts of it, but I think you know you still get aspects that you know, saying when you're doing Nolan's or something, when the sun comes up the second morning, and maybe you're up on top of, of Albert or something, and nobody is there. You know, you you still appreciate that. In in many ways, I think the beauty. Um, But yeah, there's definitely times where, you know, you're in this phenomenal, beautiful place, but you're not maybe enjoying it to the extent you can. Uh, But I think one of the things, uh, depending on the route, if you really need to do a lot of scouting or things like that, you'll see a a ton of beautiful places that you might not have ever thought to go to or have seen before uh like last summer when we did this um route on the continental divide just learning the route you know it's basically in our backyard right up here you know in the indian peaks uh and and james peak wilderness and rocky mountain national park but there were a ton of it we had never seen before but scouting it you know we saw all this stuff that we had never seen so so you do at least get to see it uh maybe in advance and then on the the day of you maybe are a little more focused on just getting
2: it done the second part of my question there it must there must be a large part of your motivation of of seeing what your body can do testing kind of having that you know crazy adventure even if you you didn't really appreciate or notice to the degree of the beauty that that you you know would normally is that a big part for you to, to see that? I mean, to, I mean, it's just so crazy and, you know, like how many humans do that? You know, is that a big part for you? And how does that feel? And how does, how, how is that motivation?
1: Yeah, there's definitely motivation to see, you know, what your body can do, right? Otherwise, yeah, you know, I could go and do the Colorado trail in two weeks or something, right? If I just wanted to, to go out and I mean, two weeks would still, would still probably be pretty hard, but right, it wouldn't really be pushing the edge of what you can do. Uh, so I think trying to go as, as fast as you can, similar to a race, right? You're trying to see what your body can really do. Uh, and, and that's why you're trying to go fast. And you, you'd maybe give up some of the enjoyment by doing that for sure.
0: Have you had any profound realizations or, or like moments of intense clarity during some of these longer efforts? I don't know if that's profound, but you do
1: definitely get in like a, it's a different mindset because you are just so focused on what you're doing right at the time. And, you know, everything else sort of goes away, uh, which can be quite nice to go out for two days when you're really thinking, you know, all I have to do is just keep going forward. And and think about this route and you're not thinking about, oh, you know, what am I going to like stop at the grocery store on the way home from work or like, you know, what do I have to do this evening or tomorrow? You know, you're just focused on one thing. Everything else just goes away, Uh, which which that is great, I think, you know, in in sort of modern life where you always have stuff going on to not think about any of that stuff is, is really nice.
0: Yeah, I think about like a silent meditation retreat or some sort of like intense focus on the present moment for extended periods of time. And and if you've if you've read anybody talk about their experiences with intensive meditation retreats there, there are these you get into these like really deep you get you get so deep into introspection and the mind and question and thought but at the same time, so much separation from it all. And over the past couple of years of um, being out here and scouting the Nolan's route and spending a lot of time in the high country and, you know, 12 hour days and stuff like that has been, I've had a lot of opportunities of, of just like deep introspection and disconnection and quiet. Um, it's been, it's been really interesting and I do notice that, you, like especially after you get going on it, you know, you're you're a few hours into it or whatever, um, everything does seem to fall away. And I, I haven't I haven't had any sort of like profound life altering experience or anything like that yet. Not not quite like a psychedelic trip or something, but I feel like, um, you know, at at two days or beyond the opportunity that is there to kind of wake up to new realities or perspectives. And, um, and so anyway, maybe you'll take something away like that on the Colorado trail. Yeah. I'll I'll let you know in September,
1: (laughs) who knows, maybe
0: maybe it'll
1: just be a bunch of, you know, crackpot ideas or something. (laughs)
2: One well, thing that I just keep thinking about, Nick, is that you started in 2006 or 7, I think you said, running Ultras. And here we are in 2021, and you are planning the most heinous, amazing, outrageous projects. And I just, I just, I just wrapping my head around your longevity and ability to, to keep competing, uh, be elite and also do these monster projects uh you know i i part of me thinks okay you have some super magic like uh you know training uh discipline uh in touch with your body kind of superpowers but also you you your your body must be just absolutely fantastic man you you are really designed and built for this and it's it's really really impressive and it's really awesome to see somebody do that for you know a decade and a half so i i I, uh i commend you and i i salute you as a as as in a sport that we don't necessarily always have the best longevity at the elite side that uh you figured that out and you are an example of somebody that can go and do this stuff and keep doing it and show up in hard rock and get sixth place so cheers to you man I, i i it's it's pretty impressive man
1: Oh, thanks. I, I guess maybe I got something. a bit lucky in the genetic lottery and uh, have the body that can at least, you know, withstand it. And uh, and I think, like I said earlier, you know, it's something I want to do for for a long time. You know, I I enjoy just getting out and running. And uh, you know, I, I I think I would if I couldn't keep doing this stuff, I I would not be very happy. So, uh, there's more to it than just trying to go fast, you know, just still being able to get out and do stuff is, is, uh, certainly the goal for many decades to come. Hopefully.
0: That's awesome. Nick, this has been a great conversation. We really appreciate your time and the insights. If anybody wants to follow you, what are the best ways to follow you in general? And how can folks follow you on the Colorado trail this August?
1: Uh, I'm not too active on on social media I'll, I'll fully admit but I do have a, an Instagram account and, and I'm on Strava but I think every run on Strava just is called morning run so yeah I can too. tell you I can tell you how engaged I am there um, uh, you know that's sort of my style I guess but but yeah for the Colorado Trail, I, I will be carrying a, a tracker um, that will... I, I can probably give you the, the link there for that. Uh, I think it's it'll probably be whatever the Garmin inreach is and then the accounts just by name, Nick Petitella. Uh, and I think it's share.garmin.com or or something like that.
0: Yeah, I can I can pull that off of I think it's on the FKT website. So I'll pull it off of there and, and I'll put it in the show notes if anybody wants to follow that. And uh, and maybe we'll we'll post that on our social media at the Run Beyond Experience uh, this August as you get underway there. Have a great day. Good luck with the rest of your training for the Colorado Trail. And uh, I I personally really look forward to following along. Cheers and congratulations to a wonderfully successful summer so far, Nick. And we wish you the best of luck on the Colorado Trail and and look forward to following along on that. Yeah, thanks.